0: metcast sunday march 19th 2023 Hey, MacGeeks, it's time for your MacCast, the show for MacGeeks by MacGeeks. I'm Adam, and this is the show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How are you doing? Welcome back to the MacCast. Glad to be back here with you for another episode of Mac. Hints, tips, tricks, all the news and goings-ons in going zones in our little Apple and Mac community. I hope you are doing quite well this week. Things have been nice around here. It's starting to get a little bit warmer All that fun stuff and certainly with Apple, uh, things are a little bit slower as they do get this time of year. You know, things are winding down as we lead up to Worldwide Developer Conference. But we have some things to get into and discuss in this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about Apple TV plus and specifically movies that Oscars happened, and I'll give you the rundown on kind of how Apple made out this year. We're gonna get into some more reality arvr headset stuff, a few rumors related to that, um, some big news around Apple's next gen processors. We have a little bit of iPhone news sprinkled in there, and really that's about it for the news for this week. Then we are going to get into I, I guess I'll call it a little bit heavier discussion uh, than we normally have here on the MacCast, but something came up this week with a fan of the show, someone in our community, and I wanted to have a conversation with you about it. So we're going to get into some terminology and uh, language stuff, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, backups and getting new Macs and, and how to... Uh, use old backups and recover old backups or i guess reuse old backups so we have a question about that and then i have a little thing of the moment uh related to some other apple updates that happened this week so should be a good episode might be a little bit quicker than normal um but before we dive in i do want to take a quick moment and uh, thank one of our show sponsors and that is our sponsor collide and they have some big news if you're an octa user they can get your entire fleet to 100 percent compliance how well if a device isn't compliant the user can't log into your cloud apps until they've fixed the problem it's really that simple collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture device compliance without collide it struggles to solve problems like keeping everyone's os and browser up to date Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agents detect a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit Collide.com slash MacCast to learn more or to book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MacCast. And a big thank you to Collide for their support of the show. So, one of the things that happened this past week was the Oscars, and Apple's streaming service had a presence there. Now, it wasn't like last year where Apple won the Best Picture Oscar for Coda, the first of any streaming service. So, that was kind of a big milestone. Uh, This year was a little bit more subdued for Apple TV Plus. There were still two Apple TV Plus films up for awards, and Apple did manage to take a win for Best Animated Short Film uh, with the movie The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. So that's still a pretty big win. Not at the same caliber as Best Picture, but not too shabby. I would say overall, I, I'm trying to think back to this year. It feels to me like Apple didn't have quite as many films in uh, in the lineup this year. At, at, and uh, I think they have more kind of planned for the upcoming year. Speaking of plans for Apple TV Plus for the coming year, Apple is planning a new comedy series from the creator of Shit's Creek. The untitled show is going to be a 10-episode series, and it's going to star Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Uh, they're calling it a sort of odd couple love story. It's untitled at the moment, but the overall premise is that Harrelson and McConaughey's characters will have their friendship tested when their families attempt to live together on the same Texas ranch. No word on when that uh, show will be coming to Apple TV+, but currently is in the works. Uh, some news r- surrounding Apple's reality ARVR headset this week that continues. Mac rumors says that a private Twitter account with a track record for reliable Apple leaks has shared images of what could be components for the next uh, or for the upcoming ARVR headset from Apple. The images seem to show some ribbon cables, a straight one, and also one that looks sort of like a set of glasses like the top frame of some eyeglasses they say it's designed to go over the main display so these looks like these look like display connection ribbon cables or components Um, if these are indeed apple parts it sort of does give some uh, credence to the recent rumors we've been discussing that the product is getting close to an actual release date, probably later this year. Something else that we saw this week related to the to the ARVR headset was that there were some code references again. Uh, this time, surfacing over on an interesting place, GitHub, in one of Apple's open source repos. They were discovered by Nick. Chan references to reality OS, which is uh, what many believe Apple will call the new operating system that will drive the ARVR headset. Um, a lot of folks believe that Apple could make an announcement at Worldwide Developer Conference in June. Uh, I think that's becoming more and more likely, especially if they're going to want developers to be able to uh, start to create apps and content for the new headset it'll be interesting to see if they actually have kind of a developer kit hardware kit available at the same time i would imagine uh, that they probably will Mark Gurman at Bloomberg is predicting that Apple will add upgrades to the AirPods in the next few years to bring in more health and fitness functionality. We've kind of been hearing about Apple wanting to do this for a few years now. We've tar- talked about things like additional heart rate sensors and other fitness-related stuff. This time around, it's interesting because Gurman specifically cites the ability Of the AirPods to get hearing data. And he seems to be leaning into the idea that the AirPods could eventually be used as a hearing assistant, assistance device like hearing aids, uh, whether or not Apple will be able to actually you know, have them be true hearing aids is up to debate because obviously for something like that, they are going to need FDA approval. And historically, Apple has shied away from that with their wearables. We look at Apple Watch, um, it's much harder to get FDA approval for those kinds of devices. They do currently offer with the AirPods, their live listening functionality. And AirPods certainly have a lot of hearing kind of uh, enhancements, uh, whether or not it'll be true medical device, remains to be seen, and I don't think uh, we're leaning that way. But with these rumors, it seems like Apple is looking to focus a little bit more on the hearing functionality and the health benefits there that uh, AirPods might be able to provide. We have potentially seen a first glimpse at what the future of Apple Silicon may look like this week. Apple is believed to have locked up the bulk, if not all, of TSMC's three nanometer Manufacturing technology, and if the latest leaked Geekbench performance numbers are real, this could be a huge win for Cupertino. The numbers we saw this week are supposedly an A17 chip, and they were revealed over on the Chinese site Weibo. Weibo. I never know quite how how to pronounce that one. Uh, they were posted on Twitter by, also posted on Twitter rather by Shrimp Apple Pro, although he does give it a grain of msg warning so take this for what it is they're really unconfirmed numbers um, but the numbers do show what looks like or appears like it could be an a17 processor uh, showing geekbench 6 numbers and the single core score is 3019 with a multi-core score of 7860. If these are indeed from an a17, it's quite a jump up from the 2504 single core and 6314 multi-core score of the a16, which is in the current iPhone 14 Pro. Overall, we've heard pretty positive, pretty positive things about the upcoming three nanometer architecture. It's supposed to offer an up to 70% higher logic density, and that means it could deliver a 15% increase in performance over the A16 at the same power level. Um, That's the 5 nanometer technology that Apple currently uses, while at the same time delivering a 30% reduction in power at the same speed. So much better battery life, much more performance in these chips, you may remember that they are it is believed that Apple might feature the a seventeen only in the pro model of iPhones this year, and we are expecting also a pretty steep price increase to the iPhone pro models, actually all of the iPhone models this year, so get your pocketbooks get your pocketbooks ready. Uh, there have also been rumors that the chips are even performing better than Apple expected, so quite surprising and could mean big things, not only for Apple's A-series processors for iPhones and iPads, but as you might imagine, this could be huge things for the M3 processors we're expecting sometime over the next year or so. So Apple really pushing the silicon, and with their ability to lock up A lot of the manufacturing, that could put them ahead of the competition by a significant margin again. So pretty exciting times for Apple and their processor teams. We also still continue to hear rumors that Apple is trudging forward with their plans for their own 5G modem designs. Apple as you know has struggled with this for a while but some believe that they could have a design ready for a device likely the iPhone the next iPhone SE maybe by the first quarter of 2024 overall Mark Gurman still thinks that the complete transition away from reliance on Qualcomm modems is years away maybe 2 or 3 years away um still this week we saw that DigiTimes had rumors that Apple has at least a couple of manufacturers competing for the opportunity to produce those chips. So again, all these things are signs that they are getting closer to having potentially something go into production and make its way into a device so that the 2024 timeline could actually be a reality. And I think it makes sense for them to start with something like an iPhone SE, and then the New York Times is reporting that Apple is working on generative AI concepts like Chat GPT. Apple held their internal AI summit last week to brief their employees on their large language model and the AI tools that they're working on. Reportedly, Apple's engineers and Siri teams have been testing language-generating concepts Every week, according to the report, Uh, this has been a big challenge for Apple because they are trying to make improvements to Siri, but Siri's underlying technologies, according to the piece, are cumbersome. Uh, They spoke with John Berkeley, who's a former Apple engineer who worked on Siri, and he called Siri, quote, one big snowball made up of a giant Word database and talked about the fact that it's really hard to add new phrases and functionality to the current version of Siri. Probably why a lot of the development has been extremely slow. He says it can take weeks, even years to add new features, and that is really hindering Apple. Also, hindering their competitors as well so the idea of these generative ai networks these learning networks that can um and technologies that can actually predict what to say next and learn and 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 grow and enhance using ai is very very exciting the big question becomes is apple going to be able to work this into siri or are they going to have to kind of scrap things and start from scratch? And it remains to be seen exactly what they are going to do. The other big question is, is how did we get here, right? How did Apple squander what seemed like a huge lead with Siri? Uh, it was almost like 12 years ago, I think, that they introduced Siri, and are they going to be able to adapt and uh, bring this new technology forward? Now, I say that somewhat rhetorically, because Apple has amazing engineers, amazing talent, amazing people. So I think they can make this work out. It's going to be interesting to find out if they're able to adapt Siri, though, again, or if they kind of have to build from the ground up, which could take even longer. So I think it's more a question of timing and how quickly can they pivot and adapt and really improve Siri and bring in new concepts like generative AI. So we'll have to wait and see, but hopefully it'll be coming in the next couple years. And then finally, Apple has a new way to help you pick out your next iPhone. This is an interesting thing. They announced this week a shop with a specialist over video feature on their website. The feature is available from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time from Apple's shop iPhone page on their website. And what you can do is you can go over there and according to Apple... Uh, start a safe and secure one-way video connection with an Apple retail employee. The idea here is you'll be able to see the employee's screen, talk with the employee, but they will not be able to see you and they will help you pick out your next iPhone. So they can answer questions for you and uh, get you the right device. So interesting new feature and uh, probably a lot driven by the current state of our world over the past few years a lot of people wanting to buy more online and uh, maybe get a little bit better more personal experience so if you've tried that out uh if you've had a chance it hasn't been out very long or if you do try it out i'd love to hear how it goes for you uh shoot us some feedback send me an email maccast at gmail.com but with that that is going to do it for the news for this week before we move on I do want to take a quick moment and thank another show sponsor and that is factor power up for springtime with factor America's number one ready to eat meal kit you can get nutritious chef prepared meals delivered straight to your door leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list look and feel your best in time for warmer weather with calorie-smart meals around 550 calories or less. Too busy to cook? With Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleanup, too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Factor has delicious, flavor-packed meals to help you live to the fullest. You can choose keto, vegan, and veggie calorie smart and protein plus options on the menu each week they're all prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians and each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long i am super excited about factor because my family has made the conscious choice to try to eat better eat healthier and also i have a vegetarian in my family so the ability to have those options is really really important to us With 34 chef-prepared meals, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. You can enjoy meals for any time of day. They have breakfast options like egg bites, smoothies, and more. Plus, you can replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons. And if you want to cut back on takeout, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but the meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. Put the time and money you save Towards planning activities for when the weather warms up. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash MacCast50 and use the code MACCAST50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code MACCAST50 at factormeals.com slash MACCAST50 to get 50% off your first box. And a big thank you to Factor for their support of the show. If you've been around in the MACCAST community for a while, you likely know that a big thing that's very, very important to me, and one thing that I think makes this podcast a little bit more special and just our community a little bit more special is the fact that we are a community that we all come together centered around our love and our fandom of Apple and Apple products and, and those sorts of things. And we definitely are kind of like a little family. We try to help each other out. I'm here every week to help answer your questions and talk about Apple and technology. And I always want this show to be fun and enjoyable for everyone. And when I say everyone, that comes down to wanting everybody in this community to feel like they're part of it, like they are included. We don't want any kind of exclusivity or anything like that. And so that this week brings us to a topic that I wanted to bring up about terms and about language and about words and and things like that, specifically the word fanboys. Uh, this is a term I've been using for years. It's been around in our community for so long that I use it probably not without giving it a whole lot of thought. Well, I, in fact, no, not without giving it a whole lot of thought. It's just a term that's in my vernacular uh, because it's been around in this community. Well, this week I got an email from a female member of our community who let me know that my use of that term did make her feel excluded. And, uh, you know, that's not that's not necessarily a great feeling. It's not necessarily something that I want to hear. I never want this community to be that kind of a place. And obviously, or at least I hope obviously, my use of the word fanboy is definitely not intended to have that effect. Now, regardless, obviously for this listener, it absolutely did. And so we had a really nice very frank and honest conversation, respectful conversation over email. And I loved that conversation so much that I asked if I could uh, talk about this on the show with you. And uh, definitely what we want to do is make sure that, you know, where everybody's feelings are. I want to hear from you how you feel about this topic. And very, very specifically, there is a question I want to ask first specifically to the female members of this community. And that is, would you be happy to describe yourself as a fanboy? Now, I encourage you at this point to pause the show and answer that question. If you're going to shoot me some feedback or email, send that to me before you hear this next part that I'm going to say, because I don't want to taint those opinions. I want honest, straightforward discussion and opinions about this word. So pause the show if you need to go ahead and answer that. And um, then we'll talk a little bit more. So after getting the email, um, I, like I said, had this sort of frank back and forth with this listener, sharing some of my thoughts and feelings about this word fanboys. And the first thing that I want to bring up is that, I guess, regardless of the phrasing of the word, I never really considered it gender-specific, and I think some people don't, but obviously with the phrasing, it very much feels like it is gender-specific. I think part of my rationale behind that was that the spelling that I've always seen used is fanboy with an I, F-A-N-B-O-I uh there's some discussion that the i came from apple's use of i in front of everything back in the day so iPod, iTools, iPad, iPhone, all that sort of stuff and and more specifically i guess the term fanboy came about in uh in the iPhone era or iPhone age and i have heard people say fan girl or fanboy um and this listener pointed out hey, why do we even need a a word that is or feels gender specific right because we have just fan and i think for me fan is just a, a generic term whereas that word fanboy uh really f- refers to someone who's a little bit more fanatical and it felt more appropriate for how i f- feel or i see myself uh, and you know, like it, it, it's really kind of about this extreme, more extreme version of fandom. I'm not just a fan. I'm like, you know, a crazy, a crazy fan. Um, and I just want to, uh, as an aside, as we're talking sort of about gender specific terms or, uh, and something that I've actually been guilty of and take a little bit of flack for is using the term, you guys, you've probably heard me say it on this show many, many times. And I know there's a lot of people who feel that's also not inclusive. For me, I use it just more as a generic term referring to a group of people. And I don't intend it in a gender gender specific way. But for sure, it has gender connotations to it. And my good friend Allison Sheridan would definitely, absolutely disagree with me. We actually have had conversations about this. And You know, I try to adapt, but certain things are ingrained in my vernacular. And again, I hope that people understand that I'm never coming from a place where that's my intent. Um, But again, sometimes our, our words or our actions, regardless of our intent, come across in certain ways. And it's even harder when you're on something like an audio podcast like this, where we're just you know we're talking, and you can't see my face or facial expressions and stuff like that, so language is tricky, right, and that's why I want to have this open and and honest and frank conversation with you. Another thing that came up in this conversation about the term fanboy" was the fact that even if you don't go with the sort of gender specific specificity of it, um the original term was really developed as a slight. Uh, against Apple fans, right? It was meant to be kind of mean and hurtful, a mean or hurtful term. And so maybe we shouldn't use it for that reason. But I think what happened with that term, at least in my mind, is that the community adopted it and took away that power, right? And in my mind, it's similar to words like nerd or geek, right? There was a point in our culture where those terms were meant to be very mean and hurtful, but the community has adopted those, and they're almost worn now like a badge of honor. So they've been completely turned around. And that's a whole interesting concept when it comes to terminology. In my personal opinion, and again, I'm sharing my personal opinions, and I respect everybody else's right to have a differing opinion. I actually encourage that. I like that. And I want to have this conversation about it because I think that's how we learn and grow and get better. But my personal opinion is that a lot of words in our culture only have power because we give them that power. We allow them to be hurtful. We allow them to harm us. Uh, At the end of the day, it's their are words right and yes words can have power but we can control that power by how we react how we feel about them and those sorts of things again that's just my opinion and i know there's some you know really bad words out there and like that's another great example uh you know the, actually from podcasting too in the early days of podcasting because there's no fcc regulation it was kind of open um one of the big things that people kind of felt was something they could do was use a lot of cursing and swearing. And anybody who listens to this show knows that it's family friendly. Um, but, you know, curse words have power because they are not used all the time. And the more and more you use them, right, the less impactful they they become. They kind of become dulled and, and lose their power. So that's just another interesting thing somewhat related to this, right? If we take a term that's meant to be harmful... And flip it around and use it, and take control of it. We can kind of pull that out of it, but that's just kind. That's just kind of an aside. So, you're probably going, Adam. Okay, you're rambling a little bit. What are What are you getting at? And I guess what I'm getting at is that I would never purposefully attempt to offend or degrade. Any human on this planet, let alone a member of this community or animal for that matter, you know, it's just not, it's not my nature. It's not my intent. I hope that uh, you understand that. I think that you understand that. But I also want to have this open, honest discussion about this. And I, I want your frankness i want your opinions i definitely am not going to tolerate rudeness though like this is not the intent here because i know sometimes topics like this can be triggering for people and if this is triggering for you then i don't i don't really want to hear from you i want to have this frank open honest loving conversation with people in this community i love each and every person in our community and that's why this is why I'm bringing this up. I normally wouldn't bring up this type of topic topic, but I definitely don't want to make anyone feel excluded or left out. And I will probably because of this conversation, even with one person, I will choose to try to avoid, this term probably in the future, or reduce it. I, am I going to be perfect at it? No, I am a fallible human. I probably will slip up, or make mistakes. But I want you to know where my sort of thought processes and my my heart is. It definitely is, is in making sure that this community is open. And available to, to everyone. It's why part of the reason why I consciously choose to avoid politics and religion and all that stuff on that can be triggering in this community because it's really not relevant to what we're doing here, right? A lot of these sort of larger social topics have no place here. We're talking about technology and our love for Apple, and we that's something we can all share and come together around. And it doesn't really matter what a lot of that other stuff is right? it It's not relevant to the technology conversation. And I've heard other shows where they bring that stuff in and it's, it's not fun. You kind of sit around going, why, why are they doing that? So I know we're kind of trudging into that little area here um, again, but I want to have this open, honest conversation because it came up this week in our community. And I think it's important. It's definitely important to talk about. So, That's where I'm at. I definitely want to know your opinions on this. Again, I don't want hateful, angry, you know, like triggered stuff. I want to hear rational, reasonable discourse, I guess is what I'm looking for around this topic. And certainly, you know, answer that first question. If you are a female in our community, uh, would you be happy to describe yourself as as a fanboy? And my guess is that maybe a lot of you aren't. So maybe we need to change things. But we'll have to wait and see. And I look forward definitely to hearing from you. All right, moving back into the technology stuff, Greg is a photographer. He emailed me, and he said, hey, I have this very large photo library, and because of that, I'm upgrading my MacBook Air to one of the new Mac minis. So first of all, congratulations, Greg. That is freaking awesome. And uh, he's also a MacCast listener, so guess what? He has backups. Yeah, lots of backups. He's got Time Machine backup. He's got Carbon, Clony back, Carbon Copy Cloner backup, and uh, large backups that he wants to keep around. But with his new Mac... The plan is start from scratch. I want to do a clean install. I don't want to restore from my backup. I want to kind of do a little housekeeping in this transition, which Greg, I think, is a really, really great idea. But what he was confused about, or his question was that, hey, I have this time machine backup. I have this large carbon copy cloner backup. If I'm not doing a migration, so if I'm not migrating from my time machine backup, can I still bring my old time machine backup and carbon co- Carbon copy cloner backup along with me and not have to kind of start from scratch with those backups as well? He went to his local Apple store, asked the geniuses there, and they were really unsure about it. So he's turning to our community. So Greg, as far as I know, I think this should be definitely possible and I believe fairly easy for time machine what should happen is after you set up your new mac mini the first time you attach that time machine drive it should recognize that it's a time machine backup mac os will recognize that and it will prompt you hey this is an existing time machine from another mac do you want to inherit the old backup on the new machine and then you simply should be able to say okay And it will pick up from there. Now, keep in mind, once you do that, once you've now associated your old time machine backup with your new Mac, you can't take that time machine back to the old MacBook Air and recover anything from it. It sort of reassociates your time machine backup with the new machine. There's no going back. So just be aware of that. I believe that's your intent, so that shouldn't be a problem for you. On the Carbon Copy Cloner side... Um, you will need to do a little bit more work. It's my understanding from uh, the research that I've done. You'll need to do a little bit more work. You'll need to go into... So attach the Carbon Copy Cloner drive from your old Mac to the new one. Go into the Carbon Copy Cloner app, and then you'll need to re-identify or re-associate the old backup drive with the new Mac. But then at that point, that should just work as well. So I don't think you're going to run into any issues. It should be fairly straightforward And you should be able to get up and running. So good luck. Um, If that turns out to not be the case, uh, let me know. And uh, we'll throw it back out to the community and see what they have to say. But I, I think you should be just fine. And it should all, quote unquote, just work. Last thing that I have for you this week is a thing of the moment. So... Uh, Apple continues to roll out its detailed city experience on Apple Maps. And what that is, is that's the 3D detailed models of major landmarks and attractions that are in major cities all over the globe. It's part of their enhanced map experience that they've been rolling out the last couple years. And it's actually really, really cool. You can... Go on Apple Maps and find key points in like major cities and get a really detailed kind of 3D view. It's a little bit cartoonish, I would say, a little bit simplistic, but really kind of neat experience when you can kind of rotate around the landmark and stuff like that. And uh, they've rolled this out to places like Chicago, Las Vegas, London, New York, Philadelphia, San Diego, San Francisco, Toronto, a whole bunch more cities, right? Right. Um, and you can kind of poke around Apple Maps and try to find these things and just discover them naturally. But that's a little a little bit tricky. And it turns out, I found out this week, there's actually an easier way to do that. There is an app for that now. Um, I found this over on iDownload blog. They had done a post about it. I'll have a link to their article in the show notes at metcast.com. But the app is called Landmarks. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes at metcast.com as well, or you can just find it on the App Store. And it's a pretty simple, straightforward app. You open it up, it provides a list of all the cities that have these 3D landmark models. It will show you the model, it will rotate it around, you can press a play button to actually animate it, you can flip through... Kind of slideshow style, the different landmarks that are in each city, uh, you can swipe up and there's some additional options, so you can like get the day view or the night view. Uh, you can find the link to the landmark in Apple Maps, so you can pop it open and have it open right inside Apple Maps. You can use the standard Apple Map gestures with you know multi fingers to kind of rotate around the landmark, zoom in and out. It's basically kind of a secondary interface right into apple maps but specifically around these 3d landmarks and i just thought it was kind of a cool fun little app and so that's why it's this week's thing of the moment so you can check that out again you'll find it on the app store or links in the show notes at maccast.com but with that that is going to do it for the show for this week Thanks for hanging out with me. Before I leave you, uh, bandwidth for the Matcast is provided by CashFly. You can find them at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. And all advertising on the MacCast is handled by BackBeat Media. You'll find that them at BackBeatMedia.com. As always, if you have a comment for me, a question, something you'd like to hear covered on a future episode of the Matcast, you can send your emails and audio comments to maccast at gmail.com you're also welcome to call in on the listener hotline that phone number uh 281-622-4269-281-MACIM9 if you need show notes links to anything that i talked about on this or any other episode of the maccast you'll find this on the website that's at maccast.com and finally if you want to follow me on social media you can find me on twitter twitter.com slash maccast you can check out the maccast facebook page over at facebook.com slash the maccast Or find me on Instagram, just MacCast on Instagram. But with that, that's going to do it for now. Until next time, I will talk to you all again real soon.